Hello, everybody. Sorry about that. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, the music ran long there because ADD is real and it affects millions of Americans every day, including me. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, send a message through the KPL app chat. In fact, because I was not paying attention, let me, just so you guys know, I'm typing in the website to the back end so I can see all of the uh, all of the, the app chats that come in. I'm typing in and out, just so y'all know. I am opening it right now. I will see your messages Don't be shy. There is a lot to talk about, a lot of things to talk about. All right. Oh, man. Okay. So anyway, um, I mentioned yesterday I wanted to spend today focusing on the LGBT bills that are in the um, that are in the legislature right now. And so yesterday there's, there's a bill that was in a Senate committee and it's about books in libraries that have sexually explicit material. That one is a bill that's being pushed by attorney general, Jeff Landry. Um, and that one caused a little bit of controversy because the, um, the, the committee shut down all of the remaining testimony before opponents of the bill had a chance to have their say. And as a result, it it caused a little bit of controversy. People were complaining about that opposition did not let uh, their, their voices were not allowed to be heard in this. This is part of a package of bills that's kind of sweeping through the legislature this year. You know, last year we had a version of what critics are calling the don't say gay bill, which obviously it don't say gay is not actually part of the bill. Um, but it's what critics are calling Louisiana's own version of don't say gay. That uh, was shut down in committee last year. It is advanced out of committee this year. After um, after hours of testimony from opponents. And I have a story up on it at kpel965.com. And the um, the the testimony... Really, the testimony, I understand what the critics of the bill are saying. I really do. And and to give y'all the perspective, I know I've given this before, but some of y'all are, are new uh, to the show. I've, I'm hearing from more and more people every day that they're just kind of tuning in uh, for the first time and, and listening to the show. So some of y'all might be new. I've mentioned several times, I'm sure y'all are probably tired of hearing it, that I was a teacher for a while. But... One of the things that you may not realize is that teachers more and more right now are dealing with students who are coming up to them and identifying as LGBT in some way. This is not just something that happens once in every blue moon. This it's not a it's not as some people might say a solution in search for problem. But this isn't about LGBT erasure either, particularly trans erasure. I've had a number of students who have come up to me and identified themselves as a gender other than what they were born as. And it leads to some kind of complicated issues in the classroom. 
Um, do you refer to somebody by pronouns other than their legal pronouns or other than their legal name? If you do, are you violating school policy? Now there's a law going through that says you can't do that. So are you violating state law? What's the punishment on that? Can you really bring yourself as a teacher, somebody who who is supposed to care for the children that are put before you day in and day out? Can you kind of betray the trust that they've put in you by not respecting that, which it's a, it's a very emotionally and, 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 and mentally complex issue. And I do feel bad for the students because they're kind of caught in the, they're, they're, they're caught in the crossfire of this kind of complex legal issue. As a social issue though, there is a major problem here you are now seeing students at a much higher rate than ever before identify themselves as LGBT, particularly the T. And I think it's no coincidence that kids across America spent two years, up to two years in lockdown, away from their schools, away from their friends, shutdowns happening in major cities. Even here in Lafayette, you had kids who... They were out of school for two months. They were at home during the summer for three months, couldn't really do much because of COVID. And even here in Lafayette, they had a hybrid school year that next year where they were going to school every other day. There was a lot of isolation time. And what did the kids do during that time? They were on social media. And we know that there are algorithms on social media. We know we've seen reports. There are algorithms on TikTok that were that was pushing trans material to younger accounts. And we know that the algorithms on social media are pushing more and more of this content. And we know it because of diversity, equity, and inclusion. A company that buys into DEI, part of their obligation there is through their advertising. So they need to be putting their advertising into companies that are showing preference or deference in some cases, to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, in order to attract that advertising revenue, social media companies like ByteDance, which owns TikTok, like Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, like Snap, which owns Snapchat, these social media companies do include more of that, and their algorithms are are quietly adjusted to present more of that, so they show that diversity, equity, inclusion. So those advertising companies spend more of their money on those apps. So kids, while they were in lockdown and kids, while they were out of school, were scrolling through social media at a much higher rate than normal because they had a lot more at-home time and downtime, and they were exposed to a lot more of this. And there is a social contagion aspect to the growing trans movement among school-aged children. So that's something that needs to be laid out there. And I, again, don't think it's any coincidence that we had these lockdowns across the country and immediately afterwards saw a huge spike in it. Now, we have these laws before the state legislature, and the laws are attempting to remove the aspect of sexual identity from the classroom. They're not banning the word gay. They're not saying you can't say gay. They're not even banning the idea of a child being gay or lesbian, or bisexual, or transgender, or whatever. The laws that are being written are there to take conversations between the parent, between the teacher and the student out of the classroom because 
discussions of sexuality should not be part of the classroom. It should be focused on the academics of it. But that's where we get into where the line between the social aspect of school and the academic aspect of school, that's where those lines blur. And that's the problem that's being dealt with right now. And activists are very, very loudly pushing back on the idea that you can't discuss sexuality in school because some of, sometimes this the, the social aspect of school is so important and you're essentially shutting that down and kids cannot express themselves in school that way. That's what they're claiming, that it will do social and emotional and mental damage to the students because they're not able to have, because they're not allowed to have that discussion. And the folks who are pushing for getting rid of this discussion of sexuality in the classroom, the folks who are pushing against, pushing back against that, pushing these laws are saying that's not a conversation that should be had between teachers and adults. I'm going to take this break. A couple of y'all are already calling in. Those of you on the lines, hold. I will get to you, put you into the system in just a moment. When we come back, we will answer these questions. We will talk more about why the discussion of sexuality in the classroom is something we should pay attention to. Whether or not we ban it, we should have these talk about this idea in the classroom. 232-1542, when we take, we'll take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show. Uh, right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Um, so look, the 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 idea of discuss of, of discussing sexuality in the classroom is a it's a very complex one. And we need to have a discussion about the discussion. I don't I think I I think I worded it poorly in the last segment. I'm not saying that we need to have these discussions in the classroom. Somebody sent a message said, did I say what they thought I said? No, we need to have a discussion about whether or not these discussions are appropriate. One of the people who testified the other day before this, uh, before house bill 466, which uh, is what they're calling Louisiana's version of the don't say gay bill. Um, in the committee hearing, they had three hours of testimony from opponents, and one of the opponents was a fourth-grade teacher who talked about uh, how many students came out to her after she identified herself as queer in the classroom, and they're fourth-graders. They're fourth-graders. That, to me, is a problem. At... at, at in fourth grade, you you don't you don't know. In fourth grade, you can be susceptible to what other people are saying and implying and all of that, but you you don't really have a grasp on sexuality at that age. You you don't have a grasp on attraction at that age. Um, we're nearing the end of the fifth grade year for my oldest and the discussion of boys has started happening amongst her circle of friends. But again, it's more, 
when you listen to it, they are talking about it, but much like you would hear being discussed on a popular movie or TV series or something like they're focusing on things that are focused on in the Hollywood media that they're seeing. There's no real discussion of attraction as a person who is fully interested and invested in that idea of sexuality would be. And again, they, they have nothing to go on at that age. I have a problem with grown adults having discussions on sexuality with kids of any age, but particularly in those younger levels. I don't think it's appropriate. I think it it's it starts putting ideas into kids' heads that they aren't mentally and emotionally ready for yet. And when you look at the people who are pushing for this discussion in the classroom, the people, the loudest voices, the people who are out there saying the things that need to be said. I mean, if you go look at the KPL. Uh, news story. There's uh, a clip of a of of a of a, uh, a a drag star in blue face paint who talks about it. That is far and away nowhere close to what you want to be the topic of conversation in schools. But those are the loudest voices, the loudest advocates for it. Most parents don't want their kids to be having that discussion. In the classroom, there's a story that broke in the Lafayette area yesterday of a coach who sent a sexually explicit video allegedly to a student in another parish. And it was very sexually explicit. You don't want adults. Talk, you don't want heterosexual adults talking about their sexuality and their attraction to students because it becomes a scandal like that. But you want to have these other discussions of sexuality. You, the argument is the, these are children. You cannot have you cannot talk about sex and sexuality and, and these horrible graphic things with kids because they are underdeveloped. They are not ready. They are children. You say that when a story like what happened yesterday breaks. But it's perfectly fine to say that an adult can talk about a same-sex attraction, whether or not they were born the right gender, and you can have those discussions with children. That, to me, is wrong. That, to me, is hypocritical. And just as much as it's a problem for a grown man to send a video to a teenage student talking about sex and sexuality and and other things, I won't get into because it was an explicit video. If that's wrong, so is the idea that adults can talk about their attractions, their inclinations of any sort to children. And the fact that there are so many people that are for allowing that makes me wonder 
if what 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 those people are really fighting for. Two three two fifteen forty two. Let's take this break, and we will be back in just a moment here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL two three two fifteen forty two. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also, if you've got the KPL app, you can send a message to the show. Travis and T Don have both checked in. Um, Travis brought up a good point. If the bill doesn't have don't say gay, then calling it don't say gay is perpetuating a lie. And what I'm trying to do is say the bill that critics call don't say gay because, you know, part of the um, part of the problem is if I don't use the phrase don't say gay at this point, it's kind of it's become the media trap almost. If you don't say that, nobody knows what the hell you're talking about. But it is officially House Bill, I think, 466. Um. And I think it's Dodie Horton's bill, Representative Dodie Horton's bill. Uh, House Bill 466 is the bill that would bar discussions of sexuality in the classroom, in schools, even uh, in extracurricular activities that are sponsored by schools. And yeah, calling it, it the bill doesn't say don't say gay in it. That's again the, the that was the Democrat tested and approved talking point that made the rounds last year. It's just kind of stuck in the media. Uh, but it's not a don't say gay bill because the bill doesn't actually say you can't say gay in schools. Again, what this bill does is it bars a teacher and a student from having a discussion on sexuality in the classroom. And opponents of the bill say it's LGBT erasure. You're not letting kids be themselves in school. And that's not the case at all. What the bill would do, by my reading of the bill, what the bill would do is say a student and a teacher cannot engage in a school in a discussion on sexual identity and sexual preferences. It's not a discussion that's appropriate in school. It has nothing to do with the actual academics that take place. Now, you might find some sort of loophole in it if you're talking about a sex ed class. Maybe. But in a math classroom, a social studies classroom, an English classroom, any of those Discussions on personal sexual preference and sexuality is not necessarily appropriate for students and teachers to be talking about. I understand the concern from some educators because I've had those discussions. Well, what if an author or that we're reading in an English classroom, for example, or what if a person we're talking about a social studies classroom identified as LGBT? Well, you can mention that fact. It might be relevant to who they are historically. Based on my interpretation of the bill. And let's be real here. There's not going to be a SWAT team that kicks in a door because you mentioned that some historical figure was gay. It's not going to happen. There, there's... there's an SRO is not going to rush in and tackle a teacher for mentioning that a, a writer of a book that the class is reading was gay or lesbian or trans or whatever. That's not going to happen. 
And anybody who says it's going to happen is overreacting to this bill for a political purpose and not actually paying attention to what the bill is calling for. Here's the other aspect of it. I mentioned this in the last segment. I want to bring it up again. Whenever there is a sex scandal of some sort between a teacher or a coach and a student, the argument is always a child is too young, a a student is too young, too immature to fully grasp that situation. The child does not have the emotional maturity to handle any sort of conversation or action in that context. That's the whole basis for our laws on this. That and the, 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 the power structure of that relationship, too, if it advances to a relationship. But even if it doesn't, a teacher cannot, a, a, a coach cannot have these sorts of conversations that allude to anything sexual if it's a if it's a male teacher and a female student, you can't have it. It's not allowed. Hell, even a a male teacher or coach cannot have these conversations with a student of the same sex. But when it comes to sexual identity and sexual preference, all of a sudden it becomes fine. If we're talking about LGBT, particularly the trans, this has so, been so focused on the trans issue. It should be a blanket. Children are not capable of fully understanding. Don't have this conversation about it. You can say that a person is gay. You can say that a historical figure or an author or whoever is gay. There's nothing in the bill that says you can't refer to the sexual identity of the historical figure or author or whoever that you're talking about in the context of that class. The bill says you as a teacher cannot discuss your sexual preference and your sexual identity with your students and students should not be expressing theirs to their teachers. That's what the bill is targeting. And anyone extrapolating too much on that is trying to create a problem where there really isn't one based on the letter of the law that's being proposed. And again, I keep going back to this because it's important to understand the logic of the people who are against this sort of thing. Let's take the... the we got to get rid of the books that have sexually explicit material. I'm not a fan of book bans. I'm not a fan of any sort of, I'm, I'm not a fan of any sort of trying to get rid of books, trying to remove them completely from the public eye. I am okay with moving books that have graphic material to another classroom or, or to another part of the library where you have to, like moving it to an adults only section or whatever, a more mature section of the library, whatever. Not a fan of banning books, but if it has sexually graphic material in it, it should not be in a library for children. It should not be in a children's section. It should not be in a school library, anything like that. If it has sexual imagery and allusions to sexuality 
of that nature, it shouldn't be in a kid's library, whether it be a school, a kid's section, a public library, whatever. It can be moved. And if a kid wants to read it and they get their parents' permission, the parent can go and get it. But the people who are arguing that this is censorship and this is, this is unconstitutional and everything like that, when you here, – here's the funny part. Some of these books that get mentioned, whenever they get written about by the media, whenever the activists that are defending these books, whenever they start defending – they don't actually show you what's in the book. That's the tell. The New York Times did a big study on one of the books that was a hot topic in Florida. They were trying to get out of public libraries and out of kids' sections because of the graphic nature of it. But the New York Times and these other outlets didn't actually show what was in it. They just said, oh, they're trying to ban a book. At a press conference, Ron DeSantis actually on a screen showed showed the pictures from the book and the media companies that were the media outlets that were covering it cut away from the press conference because it was sexually explicit material. That's the tell when they won't actually tell you or show you what's in the book. That's the tell that it should not be in a children's section or in a school library. And it's absurd to me that we're having this debate. It really is. It is wrong for a teacher. It is wrong for a teacher or a coach to have any sort of communication with their student about sex or sexuality. If it's a male to a female or a female to a male, an adult having a graphic sexual conversation with a student is wrong, then discussions of sexuality and sexual preference are also wrong because it's about the emotional maturity of the child. You cannot have it both ways. If a child is if a child in school is too young to understand the nature of a sexual relationship, if an adult talks to them about one or tries to initiate one, then a child is too young to talk about sexual identity and preference with an adult in their school. Children are not emotionally equipped for it. And here's the thing. Kids will identify, they will change their identity. They will say they are transgender. They will say they are gay. They will say they are lesbian. They will say they are bisexual. They will say they are pansexual, whatever. They will pick up one of those identities. And it's not always a permanent identity change. Some will flip-flop back on it. Some will stay. Some will flip back and forth. Some will decide one day there's something. A couple weeks later, will decide to, to change their mind again. And did not, and I'm again not even going into the issue of hormone therapy or what they're ca- calling gender affirming care, which is the hormone therapy or sex reassignment surgery. We're, I'm just talking about the discussions of that sexuality and that sexual identity because kids are not even ready for that, much less any sort of treatment for gender dysphoria. They are not able to have, they, they don't have the emotional maturity for it yet. 
there needs to be better education on that. There needs to be a better discussion on that. But that has to happen at home. And parents, when they discover their kids have taken or claimed that identity, the parents need to have that conversation. And it's not a conversation where I reject you, I will kick you out if you don't change who you are, because that's not how you help a child in need. As a teacher, if a child came up and identified as LGBT, I would not tell them they were wrong. I would not tell them they could not handle it. I would say, I would, say, I would ask them, are they sure? What can I do to help? If you need to talk to somebody, I will direct you in the right places. I will tell you where you need to go to have somebody to talk to. Because outright rejecting a child when they are in that very vulnerable moment, when they are in that very, they have that emotional need to reject them outright is not the way to go about it either. They are very vulnerable. But to just outright give in and say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I hit the microphone. Yeah, absolutely. Let's 100% go for it. And then to go to the extremes that some educators and professionals, not necessarily around here, but some in other places do go because we've seen the news stories on it, going behind parents' backs to aid children in transition. That to just flat out entertain it without any sort of question to indulge in it and and push the child to potentially making a mistake because they may change their identity again later, that's also wrong. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. Again, Travis, Tidon have reached out. You can reach out through the app as well. We'll take this break. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Here to... Go ahead and wrap up the show. We, we've still got a couple other things. Um, some national news stuff I just want to briefly mention. Got a couple minutes left. Want to do that real quick. Um, the Biden administration is continuing to face blowback over that cheat sheet that I mentioned uh, yesterday. Uh, Biden referenced a cheat sheet at a press conference on Wednesday with reporters' names, pictures, and questions. Corinne Jean-Pierre claimed it was entirely normal for a president to be briefed on questions he would face from the press, but failed to defend the level of coordination that was re- that that was required for Biden to have the reporters question beforehand. Um, the White House has also told Axios that Biden's age and his diminished energy is deeply impacting his ability to work. Here's the quote that you need to know on that one. Some White House officials say it's difficult to schedule public or private events with the president in the morning, in the evening, or on weekends. The vast majority of Biden's public events happen on weekdays between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. That's a problem. He is expected to run a full-blown campaign. He is expected to be able to do this grueling national tour to campaign for re-election. 
Hard to see how that happens. Hard to know how that happens when he cannot do anything between outside of the hours of 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And that's not including a mid-afternoon nap, which I'm not entirely convinced he's not taking. His age is a problem, and not because of the dementia-sounding stuff, not because there's just a level of, there's a physical toll that being the president takes, and at his age, and as much as he seems to be struggling moving it sometimes, it's going to continue to take a toll. Nikki Haley told an uncomfortable truth the other day. At his age, it's incredibly likely he doesn't make it through his second term. What are the Democrats going to do in that case? Are the Democrats really comfortable with that going into 2024? That's it for me. You guys have a fantastic festival for those of you going. In the meantime, if you're not going, you want to reach out. Joe P. Cunningham at Twitter. Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email joe at redstate.com. And you can check out the podcast version of the show. I've got yesterday's and today's episodes. I've got to put them up in podcast form. We'll do that here shortly. You guys have a great weekend. Don't worry. Shannon is here. Shannon is offsides next on News Talk 96.5. KPL, have a great weekend. Talk to you again soon.